Hi, I'm Alex Monroe, host of Agile Family. Thanks for joining us for episode two, where we talk about place of birth. Today features a discussion between my co-hosts and I, really with the simple hope of just raising awareness about different options for place of birth. A lot of what we talk about focuses on hospital care versus home care and the different type of caregivers and the options that are available specifically in British Columbia. But please, I hope you are able to continue this discussion wherever you might be with your healthcare providers and your family. And if you want to join the community and contribute to our discussion at Agile Family, you can share your own birth stories at www.slowbirth.com slash agile family or via email at theagilefamily at gmail.com. Or if you're super tech savvy, probably more than me, you can follow us on Twitter at Agile Family. We're always eager to hear new thoughts and ideas. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy episode two about place of birth. All right, let's jump right in. So I'm joined with our co-hosts today. I've got on my right, Alana. Hi. How are you doing? Great. You've got uh, little baby James yep. working away. He's a hungry beast. He is a hungry beast. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying hi. He's saying hi. And you hear the other voice in the room. That's my mom, Jackie Monroe, our other co-host today. Hello. Excellent. You've just been on the phone with one of your clients. Yes, yes. And I might have to uh, suspend uh, recording very shortly. <laughs> we'll dash out. <laughs> yeah. Baby, babies don't wait for anybody. Life of a birth Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. Always on the go. So... Let's jump right into it. We're talking about birth plans, open birth plans. <laughs> what is it that you just said about uh, birth plans? They want to stay away from trying to use the word plan. Yeah, we don't, you know, like a lot of people get very anxious about the words that we use. And, and the word plan um, was changed to birth expectations, birth wishes, um, you know, so it's it's know that you can never completely plan anything. You can plan your hoped for response to things, but you can <laughs> you can your you know you can yeah you can plan your response. Think about how you might respond because you birth as you live and you kind of stay you throughout. So if you're generally a panic, know that you will panic in labor, and uh, let's plan for that. <laughs> So know who you are, yeah. know the things that influence you, right? And and really just let's be flexible and open when we approach the actual birth experience. So how do we do that? Well, we're going to look today and talk about the different influences that we have, um, either our personal experiences, what you go through with your clients and, and their influences, and some of the big topics are family, friends societal expectations, past experiences with healthcare. Alana, you've got some really strong opinions there. Uh, and your own personal health, uh, how that plays in a role. Uh, we might have... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, James. <laughs> we might have a specific topic on personal health and risk factors in another episode, but we want to just focus on what factors, what factor into the birth experience um, on the day. As well as best evidence and what that says and how that can influence our beliefs, our decision-making process. 
And uh, here we go. Yeah. James is up and ready to in- give any and all input from his perspective. Yeah. Because he's... you have to consider the baby's point of view, right? I think yes. that's a, a big part of this, right? Because you're usually making decisions as adults and thinking about, oh, where are we going to live? And are we going to go on a holiday this year? Once you're pregnant, you now have to include a third person in the decision making. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pressure on you for that. It's a huge decision, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being born is hard. Yeah. It's hard work. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll start with influences from family. Sure. Uh, I have a little story there. Uh, my mother had three hospital births with all three of her children. Uh, she was very comfortable in the hospital. She had worked as a nurse for many years. And when I was talking to her about exploring the option of home birth, she was a little bit of concerned at first that home birth might not be safe. So we had to do a lot of research to look into, you know, was it safe and make a decision based on that. In, in each location. Yeah. And I just have to give a shout out to my mother for being amazing and not pressuring me in either direction, hospital or home, and really, you know, going with looking at all the research and eventually feeling comfortable with my decision. Yes. <laughs> and that's something that, that is a challenge for a lot of people, mm-hmm. that they get a lot of pushback from family members, uh, because maybe it's the first time the grandma-to-be has been a grandma, mm-hmm. and uh, she's been in this mother role and is used to kind of putting in her two cents worth about things, and maybe well, during pregnancy that's the time when we have to of start to kind of back off as mom so your mom did a great job i didn't do so well when my daughter (laughs) being a doula (laughs) didn't do quite so well at times when my own daughter was pregnant and uh, i remember saying something about something because you know hey i know my stuff and uh, and she goes mom i want you to just remember that you've done a really good job raising me you've filled me with information for my entire life and really trust the work that you have done as a parent and know that I can now make my own decisions as an adult. And uh, because questioning me, mom, is really questioning the work you did as a mom. <laughs> oh, geez, you got me there. So, <laughs> she logic. She just, she just got me. There's no comeback to that. So I shut up. It works really well. So. So, that so ha- try that. Try that. You're having problems. <laughs> try that. A, a lot of clients try that, and yeah. they find it works really, really well. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of confidence, though, and you have to be at a place of comfort in your own decisions to be able to do that, because that's a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. This is maybe the first time that you are taking on the responsibility as a parent and having to make decisions for someone other than yourself, and that can weigh heavily, um, and it can be easy to, to feel like... You can rely on others to continue to make those decisions for you. That's certainly easy. You're feeling completely supported by your family members. But sometimes the best decisions aren't always the easiest ones to make. And they take time. It takes time. And I would say be easy on yourself making the decision. You don't have to make the decision in a day. Mm -hmm. I think that's 
probably why we were given nine months of pregnancy because there's a lot of slow decisions that have to be made and it takes time to come around to the right decision weighing in all the different influences mm -hmm. and it, um, I think societal expectations have a big influence especially at the beginning when you start considering the question of where do I want to have my baby I'll start with my story initially I thought that home birth was for hippies <laughs> in a tent somewhere Is yeah that... just like on a farm you know dressed in weird clothes and I think that's because a lot of the documentation of home birth is from I don't know like the 60s or something it's funny because my image of home birth is one of my friends when I was six years old she told me that her sister had been born at home in the north of England and it was just very jolly hockey sticks and you know matter of fact and this is the thing that we do here and her mother had been on the bus her water broke she jumped off the bus went home and had the baby in a big brass bed and the midwife <laughs> rode over on a bicycle so that those were my stories we all have these stories right and and Alex what are your stories well my stories were just growing up surrounded by you and listening to your birth stories hearing about all the positive experiences that clients have at home when it just works um, but at the same time, you know, the majority of people, uh, your clients, are mm -hmm. still having hospital births and they are having fantastic experiences as well. I think what played into my openness is just seeing and hearing about the, the vast majority of experiences going positively everywhere, wherever it might be. And this is one of the, the topics that we're focusing on. We want to really share... Uh, the experience of positive birth stories so that people are comfortable and confident wherever it might be. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people really want to share negative birth stories and, and we're not trying to kind of push that aside. It's just that th there are also a lot of good birth stories, about 60-70%. I haven't looked at my stats this year, but it's about 60 or 70% of my clients have basic straightforward births. So... Mm -hmm we need to talk to that and not the scary side of things that yeah. um, that sometimes can happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we need to be prepared for all eventualities. Speaking of birth stories, mm. in a way, have you seen the BBC called Midwives show? Yes. And it's, it, I, what did you think? It's dead on, I think. <laughs> That's my image. That was my kind of vision in my head right. of, of births, uh, home births, you know, yeah, yeah. Just... I watched a lot of that when I first got pregnant because it's it's a visual thing too. You hear stories, but mm -hmm. that's kind of the visual side of things, so you can see the stories as well. Yeah, and you see you see how birth unfolds, and it usually gives you a fair fair warning if there's any problems going to happen. And I would say, especially when you watch Call the Midwives, they're really good having been trained out in the field, kind of like mm. a mash unit. Um, <laughs> in Eastern London, they, they have to be really good at thinking on their feet and and kind of knowing what to do, um, not just in a hospital setting, but in a birth setting at home. Um, and, and it's just, they get really good at that. Yeah. So I, that's what I notice here. So uh, that leads us into what what is it really like to... What is it really like? It really is not... Well, it is. It's, it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like Call the Midwife. Yeah, what does the what does the process look like um, when you have a midwife or a doctor in the hospital versus at home? What does that actually 
look like in reality? In reality? Well, in reality, the majority of people spend most of their labor at home. <clears throat> you know, un until they have to call a midwife over to their house or they have to go to the hospital and meet a midwife there or go and meet their doctor there. A lot of my typical clients who are having their babies at home are in Yale Town. They have uh, unlimited hot water. They have no interruptions because the walls are thick concrete and they have double glazed windows. It's quiet, it's peaceful. They have a very large bathroom that has enough space to safely have a number of people in there. The midwives come when you're having three contractions every 10 minutes or if there's any concerns at all that the couple might have. And uh, she's there listening to the baby's heartbeat with the Doppler every 15 minutes. She's documenting the baby's heart rate. She's documenting the mom's blood pressure, temperature, you know, baby's movements, all that kind of stuff is being done the same protocols as are at hospital. And then when the woman is giving birth soon, the midwife calls a second attendant to come and be present. So it's kind of like at the hospital you would have a caregiver catching the baby and then there would be a nurse doing the checks on the baby after it's born and at home you've got the primary attendant is looking after the mom and the secondary backup midwife is also, is also doing a lot of the uh, clinical care and the note taking and looking after the baby. So there's the same number of people typically who are at a home birth caring for you as a hospital birth and the midwives have all their resuscitation equipment and oxygen, IVs, medications that are needed, um, antibiotics, different things in case of uh, to prevent or to stop any postpartum hemorrhage or mm -hmm. basic complications that can occur. So they bring the hospital to you. So a lot of my clients are quite surprised when the midwife comes in with her many bags or they have to go out to her car and bring in her bags and then she starts to unload and the house changes from this hippy-dippy space to a clinical space that isn't kind of as homey as you thought it would be. <laughs> right? Did you notice that at all? The funny thing was we're... We were so into the birth experience at that point in the birth pool and just hunkered down together that all of that was happening in the background. And it was there and like I saw the second midwife come in and she just came in really quietly and it didn't impact our experience at all, but was really reassuring as at the same time. Yeah. So so since you were able to do all that without noticing that and the midwives are very quiet and they stay very low mm -hmm. down. And, and whisper or even communicate just by eyebrows mm -hmm. raised at each other or showing each other what is on their paperwork. Mm -hmm. And then you can give birth without being disturbed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what happened with that? It was a little faster without was, being disturbed? It was quite fast, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, that, and that shows you, this is the difference between home and hospital. At home, you're able to go deeply into a trance where you're really protected. Your endorphins protect you. They help you to manage any of the pain that you're having, the pressure, all this overwhelming stuff is completely blocked out by that trance that you're in. And you are totally, deeply 
inward Mm -hmm. and you're not being disturbed by all the stuff that's going on on the outside. Alex pointed it out when we were recording our birth story. He pointed out you didn't have any interventions or pain medication. And I went, oh, that's something I might have worried about before the birth. And then I completely forgot about it after and didn't realize until then that I hadn't actually had any. Yeah. Well, I, I've had one birth with an epidural and nitrous oxide gas, uh, but my second one, it never even entered my head, and it was only afterwards that somebody said, oh, you did it without drugs, and I went, oh, never even entered my head, never was even one bit of a thought, and, and a lot of what I say to clients is that it's not what you're trying to do without like when you're doing a birth without any drugs it's not that you were trying to soldier through or battle on or get through it or anything like that it's just you come out the other side and you just realize it didn't happen nobody offered it no yeah so at home birth nobody's offering any pain medications Um, and a labor declares itself our bodies are really clever they let you know a good five hours in advance if there's any problems coming up so if the baby isn't descending or if you're not dilating, it's really obvious and the flow of the labor would not be a nice rhythmic flow of these nice regular waves. It would be crashing, pounding waves, multiple waves that are really hard to manage. Whether you're planning a home birth or a hospital birth, you know right away that this is not a normal labor. And so you make decisions at that moment. So whether it's a planned hospital or a planned home birth, it's the day of labor that dictates what you're going to need. And and I always say you have to be as positive as possible and really plan for your home birth, but also be equally flexible that, you know, yes, you've invested all this money in a birth pool and bought all these things and all the equipment for home and the midwives have all their 50 pounds of gear in their car ready for this lovely home birth and then the baby is at an interesting angle and you need to be going to the hospital and very flexible and happy to make that choice Mm -hmm. so that's that's the important thing and we're really fortunate that in bc you can make that choice that's equally safe for hospital versus home birth and really, the safe place is either, and the unsafe place is in between either of those. So you also do not want your baby on a front doorstep, and you don't want your baby in a car. Mm-hmm. Like in the TV shows. Yeah, in the TV shows, or in an elevator. That is not good. Uh, so I always say to people who are planning their second birth, if they've had a decent first birth, please think about having midwives for your second birth so that you have a safe option for place of birth in case your baby should decide to come in half an hour, which Mm -hmm. is a possibility for some people. Mm -hmm. And we don't know if that's going to be you. Right. Whether you're having a home or a hospital birth, people really get worried about things being super messy. Mm -hmm. And um, I always say, you know, like women deal with... uh, their periods all their lives and they don't worry about how messy their house is going to get when that's happening (laughs) each month Um, and it's exactly the same in labor you just stay clean you have showers you put pads on you 
walk around um, and you're kind of as messy as you normally are. Mm-hmm. Like if there are people who have really messy houses <laughs> and they're really messy in labor. Uh, I'm a neat neck. I like things to be generally clean as much as possible. And um, I really try and keep things tidy at people's houses. Mm-hmm. So that just, that just continues in labor. Mm-hmm. And um, if you find that I actually find that the messiest births are at hospital because there is a lot of staff that are paid to clean up. So people don't really take the time to clean up as they go. Mm, (laughs) So so it can be kind of a bit messier at the hospital. And um, I thank my lucky stars that there's so many nurses that who are really tidy. And when a new nurse is coming on shift, um, we really run around to tidy up before the next nurse comes on. It's just like, it's just like, (laughs) it's just like tidying up before a friend comes over to visit. So, so birth is like life. It really is the same. It is not some crazy thing. thing. Though I do remember in our first episode, you did say that it kind of got real and messy after the birth. Yeah. I would say after. But it was still contained. Yes. Like we... It just sounded like it was a really, really messy but Alex, yeah, <laughs> well, mm, I mean, it's kind of like there's always a little elf behind the scenes cleaning up after you. <laughs> yeah. Um, like yeah. you were not having to deal with any of the, the mess you went from when well, we talked about. We went from the shower to the pool and then right to the bed. Oh, and yeah. you had a, you know, a wet pad and the bed was all prepared you know, separate sheets. It's not like you're just going to hop into your normal best, you know, best press sheets and, you know, white duvets and you're just going to cuddle up there with your newborn baby. That's not the reality, but you can imagine. And we also have, I actually did have somebody who duct taped plastic to the walls and the carpets this is like oh, wow. years and years ago yeah sounds like a kill room oh, Dexter. Oh, it was exactly like that and i've never laughed so hard in my life yeah and she is she is a she is a caregiver herself mm-hmm. and it was i just snorted with laughter when her husband started to duct tape the plastic <laughs> to the walls and i said what are you expecting here anyway she had her baby like really quietly and simply and everything was contained on a little pad (laughs) and um he undid all the duct tape and everything right away but it's a fun story it's a fun it was a really fun story and my memory of their birth is the sound of crinkling plastic on the floor right yeah (laughs) so uh but that's not necessary right not necessary yeah yeah we do get the yeah yeah so just getting back to different types of health care providers, um, there's midwives and doctors and obstetricians uh, is right. the third option. Yeah, right. In BC, we've got um, obstetricians are, are meant to be the consultants who are caring for women who are at higher risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're surgeons and they're highly trained and fantastic, but you don't really necessarily need them if you're super low risk and you don't have any problems. They are always there to come in if you're at the hospital and if there's complications, they will step in and save the day. It's always very exciting if they're needed, but um, they're not needed. Right. You know, like you most don't... people are fine with. Yeah. It's like in your normal daily house in your bathroom, you don't need to have a plumber standing there. <laughs> 
when you're going to the bathroom. Right. It usually works just fine and things don't plug up. Right. It might be a good peace of mind if you're really concerned. If you're really concerned, you might have your daily plumber just standing there outside the door of your bathroom. But just in case. It's really the same kind of analogy. Birth yeah. is a normal event and you don't need, uh, you know, m- major... You don't need the plumber if you don't in need the plumber. Cases. In most yeah. cases. Yeah. Um, and you've got you've got family practitioners. They are they're they're fabulous too. They they are family doctors who can look after you while you're throughout your life. They look after patients when they're in their nineties or when they're one years old. So mm-hmm. they know the family and they've got that continuity of care. Mm-hmm. That's a really important thing. Um, and there's a lot of family doctors who specialize in birth, so they kind of just love doing birth. So they Mm -hmm. have teams of doctors who do that. So they're Mm -hmm. fantastic. Uh, but they cannot do home births. Right. So you're kind of stuck. They, they provide the same care that Mm -hmm. midwives do a little bit different in terms of, uh, visits and things like that. And the, the timing of scheduled visits, but, but they're absolutely fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. then midwives are the specialists of normal care in labor so they they are the the bc specialists in normal birth yeah i think i remember that being one of the reasons why i wanted to go with a midwife was because they specialize in birth and that's all they deal with whereas family practitioners they kind of deal with everything from colds to you know i don't know if you get cancer or something like there's a broader there's a broader base of knowledge that they have whereas the midwives are doing this the same kind of thing all day, every day, mm-hmm. and probably are really good at it because yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, and and all of them are covered by the BC healthcare. Right, that's something I didn't know. Yeah, I, I, I thought we had to pay for a midwife. Like that's not covered, but <laughs> right, it is. Yeah. It's totally covered. It is in B, in BC. There's other provinces where it's not covered, right. and different countries are different. But mm-hmm. in BC, it's fully covered and fully integrated into the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So to be clear on that, if you are thinking about having a home birth you would need to have a midwife as your primary care yes mm-hmm. absolutely right. uh, i've had some people really think long and hard about their decisions about place of birth mm-hmm. and phone me up really excited saying i think i've decided that i'd like to have a home birth and and i say well it's not an option you're at you're at you know 40 weeks and you have a family doctor yeah or you have an obstetrician right. those people right. currently are not are not authorized to uh, attend home births right mm-hmm. so it's something you need to think about you do need to think about it for sure when you're choosing your caregiver you want to know whether you can include all places of birth in your options right uh, the cool thing is that they've got they've got a scope of practice and so they they're not going to step outside the boundaries of what they're saying <laughs> whoa that's you james <laughs> we got a lot of sneezes happening here <laughs> that's fine their their midwives aren't going to step outside the scope of practice they're they're trained and regulated and to do certain things and uh, you know if somebody's having uh, twins and needs a cesarean that's outside the midwife scope of practice uh, mm-hmm. if they need to do sutures for a, a very large tear a fourth degree tear they're going to go into the hospital and have that done mm-hmm. so it's there's really clear boundaries uh, mm-hmm. of what the midwives can do and what they can do is awesome. Right. Yeah. Is there anything that we kind of missed going over or? Well, I think being flex, super flexible, right? Right. You, you kind of gathered all the information, followed the best evidence, kind of 
made your decision. Made your decision. You know that you understand the influence of society and your family and your past history and all that. But it can sometimes come down to, you know, like where do you feel like you will be able to be the most relaxed? Mm -hmm. There are some people where they know right away that they work at a hospital they love the hospital they're totally comfortable there and that's their happy place yes they might need to put a mask on and put their earbuds in their ears and maybe put a scarf over their head to maintain some quietness as they move through the space from home to that hospital setting but um yeah some people just feel super comfortable at the hospital whereas other people feel super comfortable at home and and my main problem when I'm working with somebody who says no there's no way I'm going to go to the hospital no matter what I'm really working hard to help her to be flexible to understand that it can always be a possibility that you need to transfer to the hospital Mm -hmm. Um, or you might have to go to the hospital earlier than you had hoped to in labor you might have imagined staying home until you were pushing and then magically you know, appearing at the hospital and your water breaks and you're at 36 weeks and yes, you have to go and do your entire labor at the hospital. Mm -hmm. So being flexible, uh, understanding all the different options, really thinking carefully and pragmatically about everything so that no matter what happens, you can make a decision really quickly so that you guys, if something had come up, you had already been to the hospital, done a hospital tour mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. It's, we're not allowed to do that, but anyway, we did it. Um, <laughs> just to find be, a way, find a way. Because the benefits I, of being VIP. Yeah, <laughs> because I knew you were really, really anxious about the hospital setting because of past experiences there. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, like there's a, there's a chance that you might have to go there. So we need to make this the most undisturbed transfer possible. Mm-hmm. So, so I always find with whether at home or hospital or whether you're in a car, you want to make sure that you're being undisturbed. So sometimes we've gone to the hospital when um, there's been jackhammering outside. And alternately, we've had jackhammering at a hospital and somebody has decided at that moment to go and have a home birth. They were very lucky. She was very Mm -hmm. lucky. She had midwives. So it's just talking about flexibility, trying to be as undisturbed as possible, drawing all the best evidence Mm -hmm. into the decision, Mm -hmm. and uh, and doing the best you can. Mm -hmm. Speaking of some of the evidence, specifically in BC, um, we've got a couple of things that we wanted to share. There's one resource that's really great. Uh, There's a BC Place of Birth handbook that often the midwives are required to hand out um, during the course of their care. So we'll post the link to that article. Um, and also the BC Midwives vision states, there's a, there's a PDF that states a lot of the details and the statistics. Um, and I know we've talked before, some of your clients are really type A. They are numbers focused. They need the stats. Right. Um, <laughs> when we look at what is shared in that article, they look at the births within... Uh, 2012 and 2013 that were midwife assisted and in BC and that makes up 16% of all births within that year. So it's more than it used to be but it's still 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 small. Small yeah (laughs) Um, and 17% of those midwife assisted births 
were planned home births. So even though, you know, you think about all the births that take place in BC, midwives attend 16%, and only those 16% have the option of home birth. And of those 16%, only 17% end up with a planned home birth. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with being outside of that 17%. No, right? I just find yeah, these yeah. numbers shocking when you, when you know that there is uh, equal or relative risk uh, for home and hospital uh, when midwife assisted, um, that those are so low. I think there's just a really bad public... PR job going on. Yeah. <laughs> really, it's back to the societal expectations thing. Yeah, home yes. birth is for hippies. Normal people don't do that. They go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, f I find uh, my stats show that uh, the numbers of my or the great the majority of the people who I work with who have home births are healthcare professionals mm. of my clients mm -hmm. or people who have a a. F a group, a friend group or a family group mm -hmm. that have high home birth rates or high midwifery rates. You kind of, which is, which is wrong. Kind of <laughs> like we shouldn't be just kind of following what our next door neighbor did. Mm -hmm. But I, I fall into that category. My next door neighbor had midwife, midwives at her birth. And, yeah. and one of the reasons I had midwives is because my next door neighbor mm -hmm. informed me about this service. I did not know that there were, you know, there yeah. was a service when I had, you, Alex, mm -hmm. where there was only six um, planned midwifery attended births in Vancouver per month. Mm -hmm. And you had to really be in the know to get access to that kind of care at that time. And I just happened to have a neighbor who knew about it. And mm -hmm. that's how I got involved. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we all need to help to <laughs> get the positive word out there. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to episode two of Agile Family. We hope this episode will spark in you a broader dialogue of birth experience amongst those close to you as well as your caregivers. Knowing that you have thought clearly and carefully through all the possibilities and being open to as many options as possible will really set your family up for the best success. Uh, one last thought we wanted to leave you with. One of our favorite responses to the question, where are you having your baby? Has always been, wherever our baby chooses. Oh, and one more thing before I forget. I just wanted to give a shout out to our friend and listener, Tamlin Killeran. She reminded me that in last week's episode, I forgot to give some context on the telling of our birth story. You see, Alana and I, we love to take walks together. It's a ritual we've developed over the years. Whether it be strolls in the evening to connect after a long day's work, or weekend hikes in the forest. Anyway, the point is, we thought it'd be fun to incorporate a forest walk into the atmosphere of the storytelling. We actually recorded our entire birth story on a walk in the University of British Columbia Endowment Lands. So there you have a little Easter egg from last week's episode that explains the crunching feet in the background. We hope you enjoyed listening last week. And if you missed out, just hit play on last week's episode and subscribe to our podcast for future episodes. That's it for today. See you next time. The information and material in this podcast is intended for educational purposes only. 
Although thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are believed to be factually accurate, they are not intended to replace or substitute professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for the diagnosis of healthcare problems or the prescription of treatment. If you have any questions or concerns regarding the physical or mental health of you or your baby, please seek the assistance of a qualified healthcare professional.